I'm Kate, PW's more to come. I'm on the show floor at SPX, and I'm talking to Whit Taylor. Hey, Whit. Hey, how's it going, Meg? I'm so glad to be here. <laughs> so you've been having a nice show. You're here on the, the while well, the nib is winding down. How has that felt? Uh, I mean, it's I'm sad. Like, I've been both making comics with them and editing with them for some time, and I have just really great connections with all the editors and artists, so I'm sad, but I'm also excited to see what Matt does next and to know that, like, we're leaving a good legacy, you know. Um, I hope more people can put out nonfiction comics, you know. So that you're, you're part of a boom, you know. You're part of this uh, emergence of nonfiction graphic narrative. Um, and you, tell me about your recent releases. All right. Um, so in, I guess it was 2021, uh, I did a Harriet Tubman biography uh, with CCS and Little Brown called Harriet Tubman Toward Freedom. Artist is Casimir Lee, so that was a biography. Been doing stuff for the nib uh, for years, a lot of stuff around like public health, race, stuff like that. Um, another recent one is Montana Diary from Silver Sprocket, which is a part travelogue, part uh, socio-political historical commentary on traveling in uh, Montana. Um, and then I'm working on a book with artist Joyce Rice for First Second called The Greater Good. It's a public health history graphic novel, which will be out in 2025. Yeah, very timely, as we say. Yes, it's been an interesting time to write about public health. That's... Uh, should be, I guess, stating the obvious, but yeah, I'm excited for it to come out. So wait, let's not bear the lead that um, Fizzle was a Ignatz nominee last night. It was, yeah. I was just like thrilled to be nominated. Um, I I won the category in 2020, so I was I was shocked to be nominated again. But I'm just like, yeah, I'm happy that I got. And you introduced one to you. How? Well, the vibe at the Ignatz was uh, I don't know, somber is the right word, but it was there was a lot of crying. Yeah, it was really emotional. Like, I was tearing up, especially, you know, seeing, like, Robin Smith win and, like, Olivia um, Stevens. There's so many people. It's just, like, it's so exciting seeing the talent coming out of here. Um, you know, being at, away physically for four years, like, you know, pandemic, I had, you know, two kids and all that stuff. And coming back in person, it's just, like, renewing my faith in this community. I love it so much. And I'm just so happy to be here. It, like, really warms my heart. <laughs> I really felt like people were coming up with a lot of stuff going on in their lives, and this was like a moment of light. Yeah, I think a lot of us have had some rough few years, and we've been like largely on our own, and, and comics is like making comics is a solitary like profession as it is, so when we get together, it's just like, it's nice to kind of let go and stuff. Um, thank you. It's really always great to talk to Wit. Wit is also a former PW reviewer, so there's always a nice coming back. Yes, um, I've, I have so many comments I've done, and I have so many more I want to get, and I just like cannot wait to catch up and see what everybody's up to, um, and maybe do some more reviews, we'll see, but like, so great to... Oh yeah, now I'm making your sign that. Alright, thanks everybody! Alright, this is Meg Lemke for Publishers Weekly More to Come podcast, and I ran into Matt Boars on the show floor at SPX. He is here as the nib winds down its great legacy and so you i wanted to hear you know what was it like being at spx at this moment uh it's great because a lot of our contributor pool comes from spx indie comics and for myself i mean this is the first show i've done since 2019 so and i haven't seen all these people in you know three four five years and the whole nib team is here tabling doing their own thing there's probably 30 nib contributors, so it, it feels really good. It's like, I mean, everybody has a good feeling about 
10 years at the nib and uh it kind of feels good to you know we just closed down last week it feels good to kind of come back to SPX where so much of our energy and our contributors are derived from and sort of send it off do you have any reflections on the show overall is there anything that's like particularly selling for you or what's the vibe been like i don't know you know I haven't even been out and gone around to other tables, so I don't know about the vibe too much. Um, at at my table, it's people coming up and saying that uh, they're sad the nib is going away, or they're grateful for the nib, and so there's been a lot of uh, a lot of kind words said to me. So that I've you know the energy is good, but I don't know uh, kind of what the wider show feels like. I want to get out and see you know pick up some books because SPX is always where there's you can leave with a, a stack of new books, some of stuff you never even heard of before, and it's great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so thinking about legacy, you know, what What do you see as the next place for your contributors potentially to place their work? Is there such a place? Well, it depends what we're talking about. You know, there's two, there's really two big facts, uh, facets of the nib, nonfiction cartooning and political cartooning. Nonfiction cartooning, when we started in 2013, certainly existed, but not uh, in the capacity it does today. I mean, now you have big publishing houses and indie comics publishers putting out serious nonfiction work. So I know a lot of my contributors, a lot of my editors, they all have books, book deals, books in the works. Nonfiction cartooning is, is bigger than it's ever been, I'm sure. Political cartooning is definitely in a different position. I don't think, I can't, I can't spin it uh, positively. There's not a lot of people getting into it. And there's not a lot of places that support it or hire political cartoonists. So that is a real gap, you know, that it's that is occurring with the change. Yeah, you know, I, when I started the nib, political cartooning was already sort of in a in a legendary freefall. Staff jobs at newspapers didn't exist anymore, and I come from the school of cartooning that's like alt weekly uh, newspapers. I got into those at the beginning of my career, and then they all dried up. And I was, there are a few online outlets that run this stuff, but again, it's, it's, it's diminishing. So you have contributors, uh, I ran like Tom Tomorrow, who are kind of the last people that are still doing weekly cartoons in this way. And I think a lot of other people, uh, like, like our contributors who have done political cartoons, if there was jobs, full-time jobs for them, they maybe have gravitated, they maybe would have gravitated to it. But the, the market, <laughs> which does, you know, dictate, um, what what you end up doing a lot beyond your own like creative ambitions so they they gravitate towards maybe graphic novels instead of that because there's there's no staff jobs available what do you see selling at your table speaking of the market what are people picking up from the nib table well you know the nib magazine of course we have right. probably 10 issues and uh our new issue the future issue is our final issue which i like ending on and uh that's probably the top seller maybe just because everybody doesn't have it yet because it's the newest issue and i'm selling my work justice warriors which is a non-nib related but uh a, a comic i co-create with another guy and is probably what i'm going to do moving forward congratulations on an incredible run it's thank a you. really important magazine and it's meant a lot to comics thanks a lot i appreciate that thank you so this is the first time attendee if you could say your name again my name is johnny parker the second and you said you came from L.A.? Yep, I'm based out in L.A. This is my first time at SPX exhibiting. 
And it's been a really dope show so far. It's different than most conventions in a good way. Like with most conventions you go to nowadays, it's kind of like kind of a media circus or whatnot, where everybody's like trying to see the latest trailer or meet a celebrity or whatnot. But here, people generally do care about the comics. So people are coming up, they're asking us about our stories, what inspired us, and they're here about the books. And it's a really cool place to be around in a great environment. You want to tell me a little bit about the work you do? Sure. A lot of my um, work is inspired by like my fandom of like Saturday morning cartoons, anime, different things like that. But it comes from a diverse perspective. So like I have my book um, Broken, which is kind of like my version of Pokemon, but with like more diverse characters in a way. And then I also have my book The Black Man's Got It Getting Pulled Over, which is a satire that explores the issue of police harassment and effort to find solutions to a problem. So a lot of the work that I do is inspired by like entertaining people and fun, but also tries to come up with a message as well. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you. This is Meg on the show floor at SPX's Small Press Expo. And I was very pleased to find Kevin McCloskey of Toon Books, Caterpillar, The Real Poop on Pigeons, tabling with his son, Daniel McCloskey. And this is Daniel's first Small Press Expo. Daniel, how's it going? It's going well. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, I'm having a great time. We have a great spot. Everything in here is amazing. Um, I've been promoting a free prequel I put out for my Abrams book, Cloud Town, that came out last year. Comics Beat was good enough to help me publish a webcomic about the process of making it. So if you want to know what my dad looks like, there's a cartoon of him in Failing to Quit on the Comics Beat website. Oh, okay, that's cool. So how has your show gone? Like, have you had good sales so far, you guys? Yeah, I've had good sales. I always feel like at a show like this, if you're able to make equal or more than you would at a day job, it's good, and it's good. Yeah. So, Kevin, you write for young readers. Have you been meeting any young readers at SPX? People definitely have some strollers in action. I've seen a couple. There's just a few little kids, not that very many. And uh, But I've gotten a, a lot of grandparents oh. uh, seem to be coming by and getting books for their kids. Yeah, I was really excited that the great children's book illustrator Ted Arnold came by and he bought a whole set. He bought one of everything. So that was sweet. There's a lot of generations that come together at SPX. Yeah. There are also a lot of aunts and uncles. I also used to work at uh, Mission Comics and still do in San Francisco, often on Christmas Eve. And the aunt or uncle looking for a last-minute gift for their niece or nephew that they don't know that much about is always a... Uh, a good person to be able to help, and that I feel like is a big bit of the people coming to the table and purchasing dad's books, because a science book for little kids, as long as you know the age of your niece or nephew, is a easy sale, honestly, you know. So were you drawing comics before your dad or after your dad? Um, well, he's been doing children's books since I was young. I went to school for writing, so I was writing novels, but when you can't spell, uh, editors skip over your query letters. Uh, but if you can't spell and you draw comics, they still read your query letters. So uh, his books have are continue to be children's books. Now they're kind of more considered comics because they have word balloons and they're published by Toon Books. Uh, so the answer is uh, before and after. <laughs> yeah, you inspired each other? I'd say so. Yeah, I'm really tickled. Daniel, his one book from Abrams, Cloud Town, was more pages than the first five Toon books I wrote all together. But now with Caterpillars, that puts me 20 pages ahead of him. So we're a little bit competitive, but I'm very, very proud. That is hilarious, actually. So have you gotten out from behind the booth at all? Have you seen anything interesting at the show? 
I have barely gotten out from behind the booth. I hope to see more. But yeah, even just around us, there's a lot of interesting work. And, I mean, interesting process. I, uh, over to our right, the person who did Five Worlds, one of the several illustrators that worked to de- together to do Five Worlds is right there. And that was interesting to learn about because it's a book we sell a lot at Mission Comics. And yeah, lots, lots of cool creators, people that I'm excited to see, but I've not seen yet, for sure. Right, right. This is just the first day. Well, thank you, guys. Our pleasure. Thank you, Meg. This is Meg Lemke for the PW Comics Podcast. I'm talking to Robin Smith about the big win with Jamila for Wash Day Diaries of the Ignats. And, Robin, you also accepted for Gordita, which is a Black Josie Press title, which Jamila founded. And Jamila couldn't be here today, right? No, no, no. She's in Florida. She's, like, living it up <laughs> in Florida right now. No, she's... Um, I have all the books, so and I I drive, so I came here with all the books and my car. It is a division of labor. So you had a pretty emotional uh, moment in the beginning. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling very emotionally drained and tired, but very very happy. Um, I know that like I wish Jamila was here. We have yet to accept an award together because um, we all or we live really far or whatever and I, I don't know I got really emotional just because I know we both like <laughs> worked really hard on it and to be recognized for it is um, I don't know I'm getting emotional now talking about it so yeah it's done very well the book thank you yeah it took it took when I think about how much of my life it took to make it that's when I'm that's why I get emotional not that it took like a significant chunk but it took a lot of like energy and love and it's all in there how is the show going for you otherwise it's going great i mean i'm having a really good time oh sorry i'm having a really good time um just meeting people who have already had the book which is really cool some people have brought their book to be signed which was very sweet because that means they paid attention knowing that we were going to be here um yeah i know it's uh, i've been having a really good time and tell me a little bit about Gordita. I know you accepted the award. Um, um, yeah, so Gordita is done by Daisy Ruiz, um, who I've actually been a really big fan of Daisy for a long time. Um, and I'm really glad that Jamila ended up finding her because I feel like her perspective on, like, bodies, especially those of, like, Latinx folks, is really interesting. And she's found a way to, like, make it accessible to teens and, like, younger kids as well because there's two versions of the book actually so I always ask in case people want to get the book for their kids because it's about like growing up and not being like a stereotypical like sexy Latinx person and yeah what it means to be of like indigenous like descent rather than being mixed with like white yeah thank you I'm gonna say uh, congratulations again thank you so much all right, Heidi McDonald, Baltimore Comic Con. I'm still here in the Kids Love Comics session now with the uh, award-winning cartoonist Jamar Nicholas. Jamar, how's it going? Hey, Heidi, I'm great. How are you? I'm good pretty to see you again. good to see you. I know. Uh, uh, so I heard you have a big, some big news, some, some, uh, some uh, just changes. There, uh, there was an election. Uh, what, what's going on? Yeah. So uh, what just happened? Yesterday, actually, uh, that I was installed as the new third vice president of the National Cartoonist Society. 
and which may be coming up soon, I may have something to do with the Philadelphia chapter as well. Oh, very good. Yeah, yeah. And of course, this is the August uh, organization. That it's, I mean, it's kind of legendary yeah. um, for you know the golden age of the comic strip. But uh, I mean, did you get in via your web, or you do? Are, I'm showing my ignorance here because I know you for Leon, which you're standing mm-hmm. in front of. But do you do a web a web comic or comics? Uh, no, I came in off the strength of what I was doing with Leon and. One of the things that's changing about the NCS is that it's opening up to more branches of cartooning. There's so many different columns of this creative enterprise. And it's really hard to define cartooning by strips. Of course. You know what I yeah. mean? Or caricature artists. You right. know? So And there's comic book artists. You know, we don't have to go down the line, but you know. Yeah, so, right, right. you know, me having a pretty good career in graphic novels and from the comic book space, you know, I just kind of... I don't want to say breeze right in, but you know, I got certified. You know, I got some vouchers. You know, right, right. Around, you know. Yeah, you were bona fide. <laughs> uh, but yeah, well, that's fantastic. And Thank I mean, you. I'm really glad to hear that the organization is uh, just kind of broadening its scope because, yeah. um, you know, times have changed yeah. and um, they mm-hmm. keep changing. Mm-hmm. Uh, were you at the Rubin Awards the other day? Yes, I was. Oh, no. Well, how was that? The Rubens were the Rubens. Well, the Rubens are very. There's a lot of history there, mm-hmm. and you can feel it in the room. You know, there's tuxedos, there's gowns, there's some opulence. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Like, yeah, I, I, not only am I handsome, Heidi, I know <laughs> some words, too. And um, it was my first Rubens, and it was really exciting to be in that space with so many storied creators. Like, I was hanging out with Jim Davis, and, yeah. you know, things like that. Um, and you could tell that everybody was there, you know, waiting to be a part of a moment. It, it does feel very spectacular. And from what I've heard from other people who have attended for decades is that it's a can't-miss thing. And it feels like the Oscars. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? That's yeah. the energy there. You know, so I was really happy to be a part of it. And they said my name several times oh, over wow. the presentation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it was great. Yeah. I understand why people want to go back every, yeah. every year. So this is your first time yeah, going? Yeah, my first yeah. one, yeah. Wow. Well, first time, he's already vice president, third vice president. <laughs> so Jamara's really, really just uh, moving in on the NCS. Uh, well, tell tell us about Leon. Um, this is, you know, Leon the Extraordinary. I believe, didn't it win the Dwayne McDuffie Award? Right. So, Which I was I was a judge on, so I might have, you know, been one of the votes in your favor. So, yeah, Leon, uh, Protector of the Playground, was my first uh, a graphic novel I did with a character, which we self-published in 2017, I believe, and in 2018, and won a Dwayne McDuffie Award for Diversity, one of my very, like, proudest moments yes. as a cartoonist. And uh, from there, I've kept developing the property, and I landed a multi-book deal with Scholastic Graphics. And the new book, or the first book, as we're calling it in the series, is Leon the Extraordinary, which came out last October. And already, Heidi, the next book is coming out. So, you ready for it? This is the big picture thinking. Leon, worst friends forever. <laughs> is the next book that'll be out in May 2024. Right. Well, it's great to hear that Leon's having success. Of course, at Scholastic. I mean, they're the biggest publisher in the the graphic novel market, it turns out. Yeah, yeah. You know, I walk with giants, and, you know, it's it's, the the air is really, really sweet there. And I'm just really happy to be in the conversation and have uh, Leon have such a great uh, uh, platform to be on. So what was the uh, original book, the self-published book? Now, is that incorporated into the series, or does that remain separate? It's it's pretty much separate. Uh, 
I like to think of Protector of the Playground as the Welcome to Springfield episode right. of The Simpsons. Oh, okay. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Good, good, uh, and, right, and uh, Leon Extraordinary is more like his origin story. Right, right, yeah. okay. So, so it, yeah. all, it all works out. Very good. Well, uh, Jamar, thank you so much. Congratulations on um, your election. Congratulations on Leon. Success. And, uh, you know, have fun at Baltimore Comic Con. Thank you, Heidi. It's always a pleasure. Appreciate you. So, John, what is a taco time machine? Well, in that book, Maxim and find a time machine that can, much like Doctor Who's time machine, is supposed to change shape, but this one gets stuck in the shape of a giant taco. Well. Uh, so, if, if they go back to the time they first met and became friends, but, of course, there's a bad guy named Time Turtle who sort of messes everything up. So, do you... What kind of... Uh, do you meet your readers? You know, what's it like when you meet fans of Max Meow? It's been really great. It started off, a lot of the kids were fans of the Dogman book series, which is so popular and they saw the similarities uh, they get so excited and they talk about how they read the book over and over and over which is Hi. kind of a phenomenon for a lot of uh, the kid readers today. Right, right. Our, our, so we have uh, four volumes. Is there more Max Meow coming or what's what's next for you? Yeah, actually book five comes out in November of 2023. It's called Attack of the Zombies and there are some hypnotized bees that are committing crimes for a bad guy. I always remind people the bees are not the bad guys and I'm working on book six right now with that'll be coming out sometime next year. So it's safe to say Max Meow is a hit. It's it's doing pretty well, and I'm really happy about that. <laughs> well, that's great, John. Congratulations. And congratulations on all your hard work here in the Kids Loves Comics section, because it really was um, a bolt, breath of fresh air when you started it back in the day, and now it's really vibrant. There's folks everywhere, kids everywhere, comics everywhere. So thanks a lot, John. Thank you. It's hellishly hot yesterday. I, I cannot believe the dedication of the people who come to this show that they stayed around I all heard, day. I heard that there were 5,000 people yesterday. Yeah. I, I, I haven't seen a crowd of this size at this show since 2013, I would say. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's been a while. How's your sales been? Do Good, you, but yes. weird. Um I noticed this last year, too. There's something about MoCA where we don't ever seem to have one big seller. I see. I, I think see. that happened maybe once with, with I Will Bite You. The rest of the time, it's like somebody ran out of time on a standardized test and just started checking off every box. Like everything just sort of sells across the board. <laughs> you know, like that. Like somebody just marked C. So they're, the like a, they're like discovering you and finding your weirdest offer, which is yeah, which is, weird offers. Yeah, like this is true. <laughs> we do weird really well over here, I think. Like there's, there's, it would be great if we had like some kind of house style, but I don't think that's ever going to be in the in the cards for us. Yeah, yeah but having like an eclectic taste comes through. Yeah. I mean, I've had lots of fun at this show. I wish I had more time to explore, I guess. Uh, that's another thing that changed drastically from even a couple of years ago, which is we were looking at the guest list on the map, and normally, I mean, I've been doing this a long time, normally I know quite literally everyone on the list, and this time around, it's the opposite. I, I think I know maybe one out of ten folks that are on the exhibitor list. Do you feel like you're scouting for authors? Yes, although... I mean, I'm always sort of scouting for, for authors. Uh, here, though, there's there's much more of a focus on 
illustrator work, which makes sense given the society of illustrators and, and, and whatnot, um, which is great. But the number of comics creators is, is much smaller than it has been in recent years. I mean, I guess they just need a kick to make their art sequential, right? Like, yeah. And, you know, the good news, I guess, especially for this show, is the number of schools that are here that have... And this is unthinkable. Can you imagine, like, ten years ago, the idea that there would be so many different cartooning majors at so many different universities across the country? I know, it's incredible. There's a high school right around the corner of you here. There's a high school, Design Art School. Of of Art and Design, which I know very well from being a native New Yorker. Um, But it's great to see that stuff. And actually, most of the sequential art, like the comic stuff that I've seen at this show, has been from students who are making comics. But it's the that is so long in coming that it, it that like I kind of get choked up just thinking about it. That CCS seemed like a pipe dream when it was founded, and now it's you know one of there's got to be at least half a dozen universities here, including things like Syracuse now has a cartooning major that would that would never have happened even five years ago. I don't think. Well, you can feel a part of that too. Um, okay, this is Leon Avellino. Okay, tell me, I always say your name wrong. Leon? Avellino. Avellino. Oh, good, I said it right. A Secret Acres, the greatest. Okay, I've got Oriana Leckard, who's the publishing and comics. Is it director outreach coordinator? How do you? Uh, currently, I'm called head of publishing. Head of publishing. Which is a promote. I was director of publishing and comics outreach for the last two years. So she was recently promoted here at Mocha to talk about the show. So what's your impression so far? Oh well, unfair. I've only been here a little while. I've only spoken to five or six people, but it's beautiful. I love this show. It is so accessible. There's such a variety of different types of incredible people. I've done maybe a tenth of it, and I've already seen five amazing Kickstarter. Uh, reads creators right, so right. yeah always a thrill to be here also it's like a hometown show for me i rode my bike here we were just speaking to a creator who had like a whole flyer out about their current project uh and i ran into dean haspiel who said he just had gotten three times his goal yeah. so how are you feeling about seeing so much stuff that you've midwifed on the site yeah i mean it's really it is always so inspiring to see i i like to just sort of like walk around in the middle of the alley with my eyes half focused waiting for something to come into focus and then doing a quick pivot and saying that was on kickstarter i just met the guy who does brooklyn tattoo we've never corresponded but i radix media is about to launch their second project um living the line we were talking to who else jonathan bayless and that's see this is terrible i haven't done like most of the show so there's so many more people who i haven't just called out whose books i will see and talk to very soon you're out scouting right like you're spreading the good word i'm just sort of you know my job is to be in the world of my categories like just being around. So yes, definitely. Talking about Kickstarter, thanking people for being on Kickstarter, finding out, you know, you can get more understanding in person of like, well, what was the experience like? Where were the stumbling blocks? How can we be better serving you and the people, you know, in this community? So just, you know, getting to talk to people. I often joke that I'm like, my job is to professionally be friends with people. So, you know, cementing those friendships as much as I can. Oh, that's a nice job. Okay. Thank you so much for reporting in. This is Robin Chapman. Hello. Um, so Robin was just telling you about the publishing, like the industry panel that happened yesterday, the professional development panel. But how's the show going for you overall? Um, I'm having a lot of fun today. It's um, a little more chill today. Uh, 
and also like not as hot. Uh, folks, uh, you might have heard complaining about the heat on Saturday. It was pretty unbearable, but it's very comfortable now. And yes, yeah, it's, it's it's fun and it's, it's a little quieter, so you have a chance to talk to people. It's, it's a good time. So, how are you managing all these years to run your own small press and small press coverage, and have a fantastic job at First Second? Oh, um, I mean, it is hard. It gets a little harder every year. Um, I, well, my paper rocket, you know, it's, it's our output is pretty modest. Like, um, you know, we, we might put out like eight mini comics a year, and every once in a while a book, and. Um, I can manage that. Like, and every year I take it year by year, and like, can I still do it? Do I still want to do it? And I'm still doing it, even though I'm in my mid forties. <laughs> yes. And at um, for a second, you've been really working on a lot of the series, right? Like the science comic series. Yeah, I, I, I manage the uh, the science comic series, history comics. Yes. <laughs> so, what was your big takeaway from the industry panel? What were some of the themes that came up about um, how to publish comics today? Um, I guess for me personally, I was just kind of amazed how fanographics works and how they have been able to keep going for so many decades um, and put out so many books. I didn't realize they put out 80 to 100 books a year, which that, I mean, we at first second we put out 45 books a year, which is a lot. Um, I can't imagine doubling that. Like, that's, wow. <laughs> but they really, um, they really, like, use their gut when they decide what to publish. They don't even use P&Ls. <laughs> they just, like, Oh, we think this is brilliant. We're going to publish it. Um, which I, I don't know many publishers that operate that way. Well, you don't use P and as a paper rocket, right? Oh, uh, no. <laughs> there, there's like no, no P. <laughs> Just all aisle. No, it's, it's, I mean, paper rocket is a labor of love and that pretty much pays for itself. And that's good enough. Like Kickstarter helps a lot. If it wasn't for Kickstarter, um, maybe it wouldn't pay for itself. Oh, so interesting. I just talked to Oriana, actually. <laughs> Yeah, we'll have it, we'll have it come over. I have to get, tell, send her that quote. All right, thank you all. Okay, this is Alex Segura of Secret Identity, who told me this is his first time tabling at Mocha. How's it going? It's been great. It's been a thrill. I'm sharing a table with my brother-in-law, David Ezra Stein, who's a children's book illustrator and writer. Yeah, he's my brother-in-law. We live across the street from each other, and so we've got kind of all genres here. Kids' books, graphic novels, crime novels, and some with a little bit of both. So it's been great. A lot of great feedback and good crowd. So you've had quite a year or two with your books. So how are you feeling? Like you've, you know, been working in the industry a long time, but then now you've had some breakout hits. It's been good. I mean, Secret Identity, I felt like it really resonated. It was nominated for the LA Times Book Prize. It's uh, It's gotten a lot of acclaim and buzz. And so I feel like, you know, everyone jokes, you know, you're an overnight success after 10 or 12 years. So eventually, you know, you put in the work and hopefully see the response and it's been great. Um, what are you working on next? I'm working on the sequel to Secret Identity. It's set in the same world, so it's not a direct sequel. It's called Alter Ego. It's set in the modern day, so it's kind of like the darker other side of the comic book coin. And um, I have a novel for Marvel, Aranya, Spider-Man 2099, Dark Tomorrow, and this comes out in May. And it's a time-hopping Spider-Verse adventure for YA readers, for anyone, really. Awesome. Thank you.